to the Interwoven Podcast, where we are looking at the scriptures and talking about how it is bearing fruit in our individual lives. My name is Alex. I'm one of the directors at Pioneer Camp Pacific, and I'm joined today with Benton. Benton, how's it going? Too bad. Yeah, excited to excited to be here. Right on. So uh, for those of you from camp, you may remember Benton, uh, but Benton helped lead our PYC program a few years back. Uh, he's remained a good friend of camp and he's currently living in the downtown east side here in Vancouver, uh, working at Union Gospel Mission, running some of the children's programming there, as well as uh, producing some uh, great music along with that, uh, with some guys in the neighborhood and whatnot. So uh, how did I do, Benton? Was that a good, that That's everything? Yeah, that's pretty much me. Yeah, your entire identity wrapped up in one intro. I love it. <laughs> well, I should say I'm really excited to have this conversation with you, Benton. I, I really appreciate uh, not just your heart on the scriptures, but uh, your heart on uh, how the scriptures practically uh, affect our day-to-day lives. And so I'm really excited to jump into this. Um, with that being said, we'll start with me just asking you what has your relationship been like with scriptures in your life so far? Yeah, um, it's been it's been a good relationship. I mean, I still I still follow the Bible and believe in the Lord, so I think that that can say it's been it's been a good one. But I would say, um, yeah, reading reading the Bible and and taking time to myself to pray, I kind of always look back in my life as two of the biggest things that um, that have helped me grow and have led me closer to the Lord. I think mm. I probably started to take time to read the Bible on my own when I was around 17 or 18. Um, and I'm not exactly sure what started that, but ever since then I've, I've tried to take somewhat of a daily devotional. I will say I've gone through periods where it's every day and it's so good. I'm reading a couple chapters a day and, and praying. And there are other times where I just go through months of like almost not touching my Bible. But um, I would also say I notice, I notice when I don't um, have that time that I'm spending mm-hmm. with the Lord um, reading my Bible. And yeah, I would, I would say right now I'm struggling with it a little bit <laughs> in, mm-hmm. just in, in my own life. But I think, I think that's part of it. And I think the Lord is with us. Um, whether, whether or not we read the Bible, whether or not even we're praying. And, and he's shown me that definitely in this season I'm in right now. But um, yeah, it's reading, reading the Bible, reading, reading the scripture has been huge for me in my life. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and I, I appreciate the honesty of expressing that this current season's maybe looked a little bit different for you. And uh, it isn't like it's firing in all cylinders um, at the moment. However, um, the reason I asked you if you want to do this podcast was because we were also having this conversation about things and you were sharing how in the midst of that, there still is this fruit piece that is taking place. There's, there's fruit um, that's coming from um, the scriptures and, and showing itself in your life. And so I kind of want to just jump right into it, but what, what's been happening? What's the story? How have the scriptures been impacting your life in this season of kind of struggling to, have the focus of sitting down and uh, investing as uh, as much as you have before. Yeah, um, 
Yeah, I think like I've been, I would say over the past maybe couple months, I've very slowly read through John, the Gospel of John, and uh, and also just had had like some days where I've just really, uh, I guess, looked deeply into it and and really been excited about that. But it hasn't it hasn't been a lot of days. But um, on those days, yeah, I've just really I think come to see Jesus in a new light. Um, I feel like every time I read one of the Gospels, I see Jesus um, in a new way, or I I see like little things that he does in in different ways, different things stand out to me, um, Mm -hmm. which I think is so beautiful about this book. It's one of the, I mean, it's it's spiritually um, inspired, and it's like one of the deepest, well, probably the deepest book of all time, just... um, you can continually read it and continue. It's like a good piece of art, like hmm. a good song or a good piece of art. Every time you look at it, every time you hear it, um, you you can get something new if it's really good. And I'd say the Bible is like the ultimate piece like that, where every hmm. time I read it, I get, get something new. Um, in terms of this, yeah, this reading of John, I've just, I think I've just noticed a couple of things about the way it's written even and, um what what is seen as important with uh to jesus so like jesus's first miracle um and i guess for context if you haven't read john i'm going to be talking a little bit about the first five chapters because that's kind of what um stood out to me i would say on, on this reading but the first miracle jesus does in john is turning water into wine um he's at this wedding and he's I listened to a sermon on it recently as well. So that was pretty sweet. But um, he's at this wedding and he's chilling with his his disciples. And I think another thing that stuck out on this (laughs) reading was that Jesus' disciples and him were just like kind of this, this like gang of guys who, who went around and, and just like defied expectations and did things completely differently from anybody else. Mm -hmm at the time and and none of or other than i guess jesus none of them had really been trained the way that people spiritual leaders would have been trained in the day but jesus Mm -hmm. chose these guys because i guess he saw something in them so it was a very kind of like group mixed group of people from different walks of life yeah and it was it was a defying of expectations socially like not just in in the things that they were doing but I like what you said about sort of like being qualified. Like it's, you know, you go in the room and you're like, oh, well, this person has the right degree and the right shirt on. So they must be the person, but they really were not. And they were individuals that at the time you wouldn't have ever put in the same room together, let alone been like, Hey, why don't you guys join my little crew and we're going to walk all over the known earth. Um, yeah, it was, it was quite um, groundbreaking even just to see this Motley crew you know, walk through the gates of your town and you're like, what is going on? So I love that point. Sorry. Yeah. I remember when we were talking about it the other day, you were saying like, um, you had one of the guys was, was a tax collector, a Jewish tax collector. So like a complete trader. And then you also had like a Jewish zealot zealot, or like this guy who potentially would have like fought or killed this other dude who was in Jesus's crew. If, uh, had had it not been like brought together, I guess, by Jesus or by, yeah, mm-hmm. um, this this person who's just bringing people together. 
mm-hmm. in a different way. Um, it's so, yeah, it's interesting to me that when when they're out and about, Jesus turns this water into wine. And the point of that is like to save the reputation of this couple. And I heard in this sermon I was listening to that if if you ran out of, like if the wedding didn't go well or you ran out of wine, I think the it was the groom's family's responsibility to to provide that. And I think the family of the bride could potentially sue the groom if if the wedding didn't go well. So not only was it this reputation, but it was like this economic thing that Jesus did mm-hmm. for, for this couple. Um, and right after that in John, Jesus goes into the temple or like the next story that's told is Jesus goes into the temple and he just like kicks over tables and he's like, super he's he draws this super hard line of saying like my temple is not a marketplace Mm -hmm. and i think when i read that the contrast between jesus like being very chill turning water into wine like i don't i don't know i feel like sometimes in church culture there's like this thing about drinking and like it's super like people are very strict about that but jesus was pretty chill in this instance about that but then he goes into the temple and he's extremely strict or extremely draws a hard line on like my father's temple will not be a marketplace. Like mm-hmm. he has utmost reverence for God while also like fully um, wanting to respect and um, just be like chill about wine to respect this, uh, this couple who's, who's there. Um, and I don't know. I think it just shows to me that Jesus cares about people and cares about, but ultimately cares about God first. Totally. Yeah. And it's not this balance of like, Oh, he's harsh over here, but he likes to party. It's this balance that you're saying of, he really cared about these individuals and their special day. And it was, it was a miracle of provision ultimately uh, as you were touching on, on like the social economic side of things. Um, it really was a space of provision uh, for the sake of that couple and, and the groom's family. Um, but then also the reality of him. Yeah. Having, having these lines and having these expectations of the church itself. Um, yeah. I love that point. Sorry. Yeah, no, I, yeah, it's to me, I feel like when I read it, I was like, it just struck me in a different way that I think just kind of realizing, yeah, what is important to, what was important to Jesus and that doesn't always look like maybe what what is said to be important in the church or I think we're always growing trying to trying to become more like Jesus in the church but we're not always there um and then after I see like Jesus he he talked to this guy called Nicodemus who was a Pharisee and I feel like if you if you read on in John or you read any of the gospels you see that Jesus and the Pharisees aren't always getting along Actually, the Pharisees are the ones who want to kill him in the end. Um, But Nicodemus saw Jesus and he was like, I know like you're performing these miracles and like you must be from God because you're performing these miracles. Like I know only only someone from God could could do these things. And Jesus just talks to him and has this conversation and sees him as human. And then quite quickly after he talks to Nicodemus, um, he He's going through Samaria with his um, with his disciples, and he he goes to this well and he talks to this Samaritan woman, and again he sees her as as a human being and just talks to her, and at like had some revelation um, for her. But I think again to me just seeing this contrast of like 
I think in both cases, Jesus could have been divided from, from either one of those people. Like Nicodemus was this Pharisee and the Pharisees were not big fans of Jesus. And I mean, in this case, Nicodemus came, I think, properly to Jesus and, and was like trying to talk to him. But he, he yeah, like the Pharisees were, were persecuting Jesus. And then also with the Samaritan woman, I think in that time, there was a lot of just like dislike between the Samaritans and Jewish people. And also there were some like customs around men and, and women speaking in public. And Jesus kind of defied both both of those customs, both of like the hate between the Samaritans and the Jewish people and the customs of um, men speaking to women and just saw this woman as a human again. And I think to me, it was just like, it just struck me as like Jesus like was just not divided from anybody. He he was just willing to see people and and be open to them and, and have these conversations. And I don't know, I love that. That gives me life. <laughs> yeah, I love it too. Because in, in those stories, it's him being, providing again and being what people needed, you know? And with Nicodemus and with the woman, it was, you know, it wasn't playing out in, the classic sense that we may hold like for Nicodemus is he actually just needed someone who is gonna listen to the questions that he had and he had questions and he literally was not in a space in his life communally where he could really ask those questions but he went you know at night went and found Jesus and was like hey these are my questions you know and with this woman again like yes it like it was not okay that they were talking in public together that she was talking to a jewish rabbi and and everything else that was kind of encompassed within that interaction but the reality too is that he brought what she needed which was she was seen and she had someone who understood her and knew everything about her but despite that still wanted to to love her and that was what she needed in that space you know yeah i really love that yeah yeah i i feel like yeah, it's, it's, again, interesting, like, reading it again or reading it in a different way. I read a couple chapters together, I think, and, mm-hmm. and because of that, I I had these new, like, I don't know, I don't know if I want to call them revelations. That's a pretty intense word, but just these new things that I saw. And, and yeah, again, Jesus, right after that, he goes and um, he talks to this royal official, or, or I think the servant of a royal official, and he's... This, this person is asking him to heal the son of this royal official. Mm-hmm. And um, I think, like, probably this guy had money for a doctor. Probably, like, he probably had other resources. But Jesus just sees this guy and, and because of his faith, heals his son mm-hmm. um, from far away, too. Like, not, he doesn't even go there. He just heals him like that. And and then immediately after, you see Jesus go and he's, He's at this pool where, where there are a lot of people who um, have disabilities and, and there's this man who can't walk. And Jesus also just heals this guy. And I think, like, again, this is just another, like, Jesus saw beyond what, what we see as sometimes dividing, like, social class. In this case, he, he was healing somebody of a very high social class and then immediately healing someone of, like, the lowest social class. And, mm-hmm. I don't know. I just, I feel like all these things together have just shown me that Jesus is like for everybody. If Mm -hmm. anyone is saying like, Jesus is only for this group of people 
or only for this group of people, they're just wrong. <laughs> like you can you can just see that he, he was going out and almost going out of his way to defy these social structures that we have. Yeah. No, I think that's so cool. And yeah, just to give a bit more context with that too, like something that I love, I don't know if we quite communicated it very well off the top, but one of your reasons of, you know, you shared at the beginning what your relationship with scriptures has been and how recently it's looked a bit different, but now you're like experiencing this fruit of it is that a lot of your experience with the scriptures has been that you'll sit down and you'll have like your morning devotion and you'll read like a little section uh, and it'll be good and it'll be great you bear fruit but more currently what's happening and part of the reason why we haven't actually read the passage that you're speaking about is because it's so big that for the sake of time we're going to ask the um, listeners to read first john uh, the first five chapters of john sorry because we just don't have time to read it all but your point being is when you start paralleling these stories together and you begin to look at the big picture and and the story as a whole you begin to uh, it begins to bear fruit with this different understanding of not just Jesus, but what his heart was as a whole and what his, um, you know, his kingdom is, is leading us towards, you know, because, um, yeah, that story of, of the rich man being healed is, is a beautiful story of, you know, it's a great miracle in Christ's healing power. And so is the other one that comes later. And you can read that on its own one morning and be blown away by that too but then when you get to read them in order and like see them next to each other we actually get this grasp and this understanding and this picture of christ's ministry as a whole and the kingdom of god and what it's meant to be um and that brings um that bears like even more fruit <laughs> in a way right and so um yeah kind of wanted to hammer that home a little bit too as to like what you're saying around your experience with the scriptures and how it's actually just reading more of it in bigger chunks has been really helpful. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. I feel like uh, Tim Keller is a pastor and I sometimes, I think he's a pastor in New York and I sometimes listen to his sermons online. Um, and he, in some of his sermons, like encourages people to read like the gospel front to back. Just take like an hour or however fast you can read it. <laughs> um out of your day and just just do it every once in a while and honestly i've never done that before <laughs> but uh i think i think i'd love to and i think when i do read slightly bigger um chunks together like that i can i i get um yeah like a different view of it kind of a, a larger overarching um view of of what the the full story is trying to say because I think sometimes also when we take these smaller chunks, we're like, oh, like I can pull this kind of like rule or I can pull like this, this one moral lesson from it. But really like the Bible is a story and, and stories have, have many um, aspects to them. And like stories are told and, and everyone has their own interpretation of a story. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, not not that I'm saying don't listen to other people's interpretations, but I, I think it's a beautiful thing to read the full story together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that and that goes back to what you said at the top of it just being this beautiful work of art, and every time you read it, there's something new. And I, I've read the New Testament multiple times, and I think it's great. But then it wasn't until like a bit later on in life that 
I, I think I was like 18 when I finally read through or I was 19. Anyways, I read, I, I read through the, the old Testament as a whole. I hadn't never done that before. And then I went back and I read the new Testament. And now that I, after I read that old Testament, the new Testament was like a whole new story, even just like the depth that came to what was going on and exactly what Christ was doing. You know, when you, when you talk about those stories that you're sharing from in the first five chapters of John, um, a lot of the points you're making are just what did this mean within society at the time? Or what did this mean in regards to this or this group of people, you know? And when we begin to have that understanding, then yeah, the entire story itself takes shape and, and really uh, strikes a different chord for us. Mm-hmm. I think that's so beautiful. No. Yeah, yeah, I think it's, yeah, it's been cool. I I've read the Old Testament, I think like the first five or six books of the Old Testament at some point fairly quickly through and mm-hmm. I think it gives so much just context to to the New Testament, but in and of itself, it's just, yeah, a really cool story. Like, there's a lot of beautiful things in it, but there's also just, like, a lot of cool stuff in there, too. Um, it's like an epic story, for sure. Sure. And, yeah, it's hard. Sometimes you hit certain verses or chapters or books, even, where it's just... They're just listing off names and it's, it's a bit of a headache, right? Like I, (laughs) I'm also not going to lie that, you know, some parts of the art piece are more beautiful to some people than others, you know, like that's fair. It's art (laughs) sticking with that metaphor, but yeah, it's the value of it though is, is so great when we're talking about fruit and all of that. Yeah, definitely. So I think with that in mind, um, what would your encouragements or challenge be to our listeners in regards to what you've been talking about? I think my challenge would be to just like, if you, if you're not reading your Bible on your own to start, however that looks for you, it could just be a chapter in the morning. Yeah. And, and building from there. And, and if you already are reading your Bible, maybe switch up the way that you're doing it. Maybe if you're reading one chapter in the morning, um, every day, maybe sit down on a Saturday or, or a day that you have a bit more time and read half a book or, or read five or six chapters together. So uh, yeah, my encouragement would just be to go, go deeper in the scriptures, wherever you're at. because it, it will give you lights. So good. That's got my stamp of approval too. <laughs> Let's do it team. Um, yeah. How can, how can the listeners be praying for you in this time? I think, yeah, just for God's provision and God's guidance, I would say, um, living here um, in Strathcona or the downtown east side is the bigger area. Um, There are, yeah, there's different challenges that come with that. And I think Mm -hmm. just having wisdom in those challenges and, and guidance for next steps in my life. So, yeah. Amen. We'll definitely be praying. Uh, and yeah, we also encourage the listeners to read the first five chapters in John or heck read the whole, read the whole, read the whole thing guys. Let's yeah. go for it. Um, but Benton, this has been great. Thank you so much for um, sharing your heart and the things that you're learning. I, I feel very encouraged by it. I hope our listeners are too. Uh, and to our listeners, we look forward to seeing you on the next episode of the interwoven podcast. See you later, Benton. Peace. See you, buddy.